Hi again, listeners. It's uh, great to be back here again, talking to you. Those that you, those of you, also listening to my podcast. Um, as you know, I'm having chats on birds and birding, and um, I started a couple of weeks ago. Look, talking about endemic birds to South Africa. I stopped for a while just to have a chat about sunbirds the last time, but I like to keep going with these endemic birds because I think they're very important to us here in South Africa. And um, I think, as I said in the past, there's only 18 endemics that are basically here in South Africa. And uh, in total, in Southern Africa, there are 99 endemics, as I said, to Southern Africa. Remember, here in Southern Africa, we have over 970 species of birds. But uh, when we talk about Southern Africa, we're talking about all the countries south of the Cunini, Kavanga and Zambezi rivers. So that's when we're talking about um, Southern Africa. In South Africa, we are obviously, we also, when I talk about South Africa, I'm actually um, also excluding um, Lesotho and Swaziland, which are both surrounded by South Africa. So I'm not actually talking about the uh, birds that sort of uh, fly in and out of, the, of those two countries back into ours. These are purely birds that are found here in South Africa. So... Let's keep it going with these uh, localist lacquer birds uh, of South Africa alone. And um, I'm going to have a little chat about the orange breasted sunbird, the Cape sugarbird, the uh, Cape rock jumper, and the uh, yellow breasted pipit. We see how we go after that. Okay. Okay, the next one I'm going to have a little chat about is the Cape sugarbird. There's only two of these sugarbirds in now. Uh, Southern area district, and that is the uh, gurneys and the Cape Sugar. But the gurneys I see quite often when I go and do the um, Golden Gate birding adventures, which I have spoken about. And they normally do them in uh, February, uh, in the summer, because um, uh, this is a very, very nice place to actually go and find the gurneys if you need to. Uh, they're very, very distinctive looking birds. They're like very large sunbirds with that large. Um, you know, shaped beak the same as a sunbird. And they've got, um, these ones specifically, the males, have got very, very long tails. And um, when they call, I don't know if you know drongos, those of you who heard drongos call, they've got this grating call that they have. I'm definitely not going to try this one. But um, they have a very similar call. But as I said before, go to the web and give it a listen. And you can actually hear these things calling around the southern cap. They actually go into pairs when they when they when they do bond, the male and the female. But prior to that they just hang around in in uh, quite a few in a flock. And but uh, you'll also find these ones um in the Fainbos area and especially the Protea bushes. But in the same same areas they they, they tend to roost um on the lower branches of, of, of any of the Protea plants in the area. And uh, as I said, <laughs> out of breeding season, they tend to flock with others, and I'll tell you, up to hundreds. You see them flocking around together, but they're curious, curious birds to watch because when they when they display, they have this very strange casual flight upward. So they go upward and they flick their tail around over their head and about, you know, 10 meters, 11, 12 meters, thereabout, um, but, you know, fairly slow wing beats. And as I said, the tail whipping its tail over its head, and then they'd have a sudden descent. 
with a kind of dipping action, a very strange action to watch. Uh, the nests are also only built by the females. Um, but the male is very, very defensive. You know, once once they've got together, they are tolerant with a lot of um, the birds in the area, but the ones they don't like having around are the sharks and the bobo, uh, especially the fiscal shark. I've seen them actually attacking the, the, um, the fiscal shark. They've got a little yellow spot at the bottom of their tummies. A fairly brownish bird, but you can't miss it because of its call and the way they flock around and... Um, yeah, so as I said, you know, you can find them around the, the almost the same areas as uh, I've spoken about as the um, orange-breasted sunbird. But they actually move around a little bit more west to Saldana and that area. Yeah, and that's the Cape Sugarbird. Right, the Cape Rock Jumper. Um, this would be a fantastic bird to to see if you get a chance to go around the um, Cape area. Uh, it's almost the same type of area as I said um, as the other two but they're more up in the uh, mountains of the south, you know, southwestern Cape. They kind of like live in very small groups of two or maybe five individuals and they kind of like um, defend very very large territories uh, up to sometimes 20 hectares uh, with only sort of the dominant pair who will share the parental um, bliss, as it were. Um, birders actually give a very high value on spotting these rock jumpers, tell me, because um, I'm looking forward to the next time when I'm down there, I'm going to go out my way to go and try and see if I can find them. But they are, at the moment, I think they're going to be listed vulnerable or they might not be already vulnerable because they are basically, um, as been known at the moment, in about 20 nests in the area and you normally get about two eggs per nest and uh, there's normally only one that actually survives and that's 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 very very sad and that normally comes from you know there's a lot of badgers in the area or the cape gray mongoose but i think the biggest danger comes from the boomslong and uh, as i said I, i'm almost sure they're moving now to an, an endangered uh, species they've got a very they're very attractive birds you know they've got um a beautiful plumage and uh, this beautiful plumage that the male has kind of like adds to their flair a bit uh, these beautiful birds they have a rich it's like a burgundy orangey kind of but very dark um, color on the underparts which travels through just about the beginning of their tail then they've got this uh, black tail that comes up and it almost looks their tails look like they've been dipped in white paint um, it's so white um, against the black and uh, they've got a fairly darkish face with a very like white moustache that runs down the, the side of their face their hind neck is, uh, and their crown is like a silvery colour but um, you need to go up there and try and check it up they have a very high type of cheep 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 call uh, <laughs> seriously don't go by what I'm saying but Rather go and listen to it yourself, and you can uh, hear the call of these birds. And if you go up there, you really listen for it. As I said, it's really good to listen to a lot of these calls before you go birding or go look for specific birds because that'll indicate to you sometimes you'll hear them before you even see them sometimes. So it's it's all uh, fairly good. So if you're in the area, in the Feinbos area in the Southern Cape, uh, 
in the mountainous areas. Go up there and hopefully you'll see them. They're normally in the shrubs and they hop around in uh, shrubs and the rocks, as I said, in pairs or, you know, very small um, groups. The nests are normally built by both sexes and um, the male normally chases the female around uh, in the beginning when they're trying to find their mate and then they kind of corner them and then they copulate and then the, the fun begins for these two uh, birds. But sometimes you'll find out when they are, uh, when they've got the eggs and they've got the fledgling, just before the fledglings and the birds, the little chicks hatch, um, there's a couple of um, others that will come back and help them bring these birds up with the feeding sometimes. Sometimes it'll be noticed, even the children from their previous kind of like marriages, it were. <laughs> yeah, that's the dog jumper for you. Well, here we go with the orange breasted sunbird. I know the last time I spoke, I spoke a lot about a few of the um, sunbirds. So, um, which brings me around to this orange breasted sunbird. But I have to tell you, this bird has, a, has got a special meaning for me and my wife. As many years ago, we did the Otto hiking trail. But I was a lot younger and a lot fitter in those days, I can tell you. As I say, those were the days, my friend. <laughs> anyway, and uh, they seem like they'd never end. But uh, here we go, many, many, many years on. Um, I hadn't seen one of these orange-breasted sunbirds up until that time. And I was really, really hoping to see one while I was doing that trail because it was at, at that time I wasn't in that area very often. And so I took my binocs with me, obviously, and my couple of bird books back in my, in my pouch at the back. But uh, for those of you who have hiked this trail, right at the end, on the last day, right at the top of the cliffs, as you sort of end the trail, there's a little gate by the hedge, by the fence, and on top of the cliffs, so you come and walk out of that gate. And I hadn't seen this bird at all. And lo and behold, as we finished it, as we walked out the bush towards the gate, there he was, sitting on this pole. And you know what? He sat there and he sat there. And he didn't move or fly away. It was so beautiful. It was like, man, you finished the auto. <laughs> and he was just there to greet us when we finished. And it was amazing, amazing to see him. So uh, a lot of time to actually enjoy his company. Um, this bird's got a very uh, sort of yellowish belly and moves up. The further you go up its chest, it comes a bit more oranges. Uh, orange-ish, orange-ish. <laughs> anyway, more orange. Um, and then it's got this bluish, purplish um, collar and a lovely, lovely metallic green at the back of its head. And uh, the, remain of, uh, the remainder of the bird on the back, on the back of its, uh, well, on its back is olive green. And it's got a kind of elongated uh, center tail feather, which really goes back. It's really, really a lovely bird to look at. Um, you can only find this in the Southern Cape, you know, from about Cape Town through up into Port Elizabeth, but not, not, not a very wide region at all, mostly in the coastal region, and it normally hangs around Fainbos and the Protea areas, but mostly Fainbos. And um, only time I'll ever, ever leave there is if there's a fire, then you might find it out of that area, because it won't go back until uh, the place is rejuvenated itself or finds another breeding area. But um, outside of breeding seasons, you can actually see them in lots of... Uh, kind of loose flocks they're feeding from nectar yeah i remember i told you in the last chat about how these sunbirds really enjoy their nectar uh he's got a 
kind of repetitive, I'll try it, it's like a cheep, 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 cheep song, uh, which is done by both the male and the female, but I guess you're going to have to kind of listen to it yourself and uh, see exactly what I'm talking about. As usual, with most sunbirds, um, well, in this case, the site's actually, uh, the site for the nest is chosen by, you know, either the male or the female or both. But as usual, as I was just going to say now, is always built by the female. So you go, girl. <laughs> they seem to build all the nests of these uh, beautiful, amazing sunbirds. And um, the amazing thing about these uh, orange-breasted sunbirds, I can't really get into it right now, that the female and the male have got three specific postures. You know, when they're sort of about to enter the nest or see the male, the, you know, the female sort of crouches down with her little head up. And sometimes you see crouching over the head down with the wings on the side. And they, they, they tend to do this quite often, but there's like three prominent moves that they have. And um, the male does the same type of thing almost. But, you know, it'll be good if you just sort of get into the book, one of the books that I've spoken about, and sort of read about it. It's actually quite nice. Hi, now for one of my favorite sightings. You know, I spoke just now about being in some of the bird challenges that we've had in Golden Gate, and um, really they were fantastic. So if you ever get a chance, it's normally around about February, I have mentioned it in the past, but if you get a chance to put a small team together, go to one of these things and come and join us here at that um, Golden Gate when we start counting birds there. I was very lucky to see this next bird, I'm talking about the yellow-breasted pipit. Um, it's such a treat to see this bird hop out of the grass or fly out of the grass when it's been you know, someone's chased it out or something like that. I even got some really good photographs. So I'm, I was very chuffed. And I'm kind of looking forward to going back up that area to go and try and see if I can see it some more and, and maybe just study it a little bit more. But And it has been listed as vulnerable. It's a it's a medium-sized, if you know pipits, um, it's like a medium-sized pipit. They kind of like stand on their back legs, you know, upright, uh, almost like the um, long claws uh, or basically from the same family, but they, it's, it's, it's a, as I said, it's a medium-sized scaly-backed pipit. Uh, in breeding plumage, it's, it's got this lovely canary yellow throat right down on its breast, but unfortunately, in, in the non-breeding, uh, that belly goes a bit pale to whitish. Um, but if you really want to see them in their glory, go around about October to around about March, where they start breeding, and then they will have their yellow bellies. They um, they actually resemble the young orange-throated longclaw. They both look alike, the young orange-throated longclaw. And I think I've just repeated myself again. I do that a lot lately when I talk, I've noticed. But anyway, I, if not already, I'm sure you would have forgiven me by now. <laughs> but uh, the difference between them and the, uh, the uh, young um, orange-throated longclaw has got the outer tails are white rather than the white-tipped um, in in the non-breeding plumage. Uh, but that's the way it is. It's, a, it's got a grey bull on its uh, The base of its bull is, is grey. They tend to sort of creep around in the long, luxuriant grasslands. Uh, they normally hang around with them. You know, the, the, glass, the grass has got to be fairly tall, about 15 to 30 centimetres. And uh, they normally hang around about, and I'm getting a bit technical now, but I'm only sort of knowing this recently, and that's um, about 1,400 meters of um, 
elevation, but uh, they creep around furtively through the grass or the grassy tussocks and they, they run quickly when they're in the open ground then they run very quickly to the next sort of long um, area of, of, of grass. But they don't flush very easily, uh, but they do fly uh, when, when they are. They get up and they fly into the distance and then they actually land again and disappear. Uh, they do move a little bit higher um, to sort of maybe lower grass or lower, sorry, um, especially the ones at the high altitudes. They, they do move to a lower lying grass um, areas uh, or grasslands in uh, harsh winters. Uh, they can also be found in the area, if you went to go look for them, just above the Eastern Cape in a sort of a furrow of land that goes right from the Eastern Cape through the top of Natal. But as I said, in the higher regions uh, of, the, of the grasslands, their nests are basically built by the female. It's normally a little open cup of stalk uh, and grass and things like that. And, and they kind of like hide them. Um, amongst the sort of longer grass stalks, but it's a beautiful bird to try and flush or to try and see. So there we have, um, at the moment, now I've spoken about four of the endemics, and, and the, as I keep repeating myself, it's just fantastic that you will never find these birds anywhere else in, um, except in South Africa. So it's, once I finish, well, you know, you can look up on the in the bird books to find out which are the 18 birds and go and try and find them for yourself. I think that's a good challenge. So anyway, that's all I'm going to have a chat to you about uh, this time until the next time we have a chat from Big Al. Cheers and good birding.